Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Father, to worship you. Father, we pray now that everything done and said will be to your glory and to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so this guy was sitting on the couch watching TV, and it was about supper time. And he heard from the kitchen, My love, for supper would you have beef or chicken or pork or lamb? And he was thinking, Am I dreaming? He pinched himself. He said, No. So he thought for a second. He said, Sweetheart, I'll have the chicken. A couple seconds passed by, and she said, Hey, doofus, I'm talking to the cat. You will have soup. <laughs> it is what it is. I cleaned it up best I could. Uh, um, so let me tell you, I, I <clears throat> oh man, this is going to be a tough sermon, but we're going to get through it. I have never heard this preached until recently, and it, it has hit me in a different way of <clears throat> trying to understand the, our relationship with God. <clears throat> Ooh, I hope I don't cry the whole time. But it is, it is to focus on the difference between our love for God and his love for us. And you think that that's a, a pretty easy topic to understand. However, the disciples themselves struggled with it. And I'll show you in a second in Scripture what we're talking about. But I want to start, you know, just some baby steps to get in to understand God's love for us. But the, but the title is Focus. And, and, and we focus a lot on our own abilities. <clears throat> but if you will, uh, the gospel according to John, and almost, <laughs> almost the whole sermon is, well, I think this is going to be at least two parts, maybe three, but all of the first part, I don't think we're going to get out of the gospel according to John, right? I mean, we're going to talk about some other stuff, but I mean, really, John has this best illustrated. So John 3:16 and I know you know it but for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. <clears throat> so when Jesus's ministry started, right? That Jesus, when we, if you look at all of the Gospels, you see a lot of stuff about Jesus being born, right? The birth of Christ and a little bit about his childhood. And then there's a blank space. And then the next time we really hear about Jesus, John the Baptist is, is baptizing people and he says, behold, there's the Lamb of God, right? Everybody with me? <clears throat> That's when he started having disciples. So he went and John baptized him. And when John baptized him, the voice of God from heaven came down on him in, in the form of a dove, and it said, this is my son in who I'm well pleased. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second and tell me what exactly had Jesus accomplished in his life up until that moment? Nothing. I'm Not nothing. Nothing that they wrote in the Bible about. Nothing that we know about. No miracles, no healings, no salvation. He hadn't died for my sins yet. He hadn't done anything that he was sent here to do. He had been born of a virgin mother. Not anything that he did. Right? Any of y'all get to pick who your mama was? Who you were born from? No, I didn't think so. Who your daddy was? No, you didn't get to pick that either. So he had done basically nothing, but, but God looked at him and said, This is my son and who I am well pleased. Now, our goal, my goal, our goal as Christians 
is to hear those words, right? Well done, good and faithful servant, right? I mean, <clears throat> man, it ain't that tough. This is going to be a toughie. So Jesus took disciples, and he had disciples that were with him after he was baptized, who were with him every day, that ate with him, that walked with him, that talked with him. They were around him constantly, right? <clears throat> Who, is, who would y'all say was the best disciple? Do you have a best disciple? I mean, unfortunately, we scratched Thomas off the list first. Well, actually, probably Judas off the list first, but I don't even really count him. He gets excluded from the group pretty quickly. And then Thomas, because he doubted. I mean, but then you go through the whole list of who was the best, who was the best friend to Jesus? Who, who, who was around him? Who was the best disciple? And in my opinion, and in, in, in outside of the word, I look at, you know, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane and they, they were attacked and Peter drew his sword and cut the dude's ear off, right? But Peter's my kind of guy. I want Peter on my side of the equation, right? He's willing to do whatever it takes. But you know, according to the gospel, according to John, and just in case you were a Bible scholar, you would know that's the only place that this phrase is used. The disciple that Jesus loved the most it's talked about six times in the Gospel of John. Did y'all know that? Six times it says that the, the disciple that Jesus loved the most. Does anybody know who said that? Anybody know what? It was John. Anybody know who John was talking about? Also John. Yes, it was John. John talked about himself that Jesus loved him the most. All right, so we're going to look at a comparison between those two dudes, between Peter and John. Both close disciples, both well-known disciples, both, you know, wrote letters and are, are, we are here. I mean, they're in the, they're forever commemorated in the, in the body of, I mean, in the document it is the word of God. So you can't discredit either one, right? So I, I will ask you to, if you will, <clears throat> the gospel according to John chapter 13 and verse 21. Now I know that this is more of an Easter topic, but it, it's not. It's a, it's a fundamental difference that we need to understand. <clears throat> so, Gospel John 13, 21. And after he had said this, so he had, he, had, he had told them that, Verily I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, the one who sent you, right? And then he sits at dinner, and he says, He was troubled in the spirit, and he testified, Verily... Very truly I tell you that one of you is going to betray me. And his disciples stared at one another. Now can you imagine sitting in the room with the, with the dudes, with the guys, this small group who had spent there. And look, all, all of them had more faith than us, right? All of them had thrown away their vocation, had walked away from their family, had left their homes of what? To follow Jesus. That's it. To live wherever he went. To do whatever he said, right? I mean, so you can't, these are not slouches. These guys are the top of the top. <clears throat> and so his disciples stared one at another at a loss for which one of them he meant, right? Because you know Jesus is telling the truth. We told a fig tree to die. The fig tree died. So Jesus says, we're going to betray him. Is it you? Is it you? I mean, who is it? And his disciples stared at one another at loss, which one he meant. And one of them, the disciple who Jesus loved, a couple times it says the most, it says was reclining next to him. But if you read it in the King James Version, 
And I don't, you know, I used to love how granddaddy would read the King James and then he would explain it in the NIV. And I always thought that was epic, right? Because I'm reading the NIV and he would read it with thou shalt whatever and then he explained it verbatim in, in, the, in the NIV. But in the King James Version, it says Simon Peter beckoned him that he was lying. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me get my verses right. 25, 24. Now there was one on Jesus' bosom that he was leaning on Jesus' breast, that he was snuggled up to him, that he was laying against his body. Right? To verse 24, well, let's go to the next verse and then we really go get back to it. Um, verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to the disciple that was leaning close to Jesus and said, ask him which one he means. Verse 25, then lying back on Jesus' breast said unto them, Lord, who is it? Now, picture a room full of men having dinner. One, the creator of the universe and the, the author of salvation, the blameless, holy lamb of God, and 11 other dummies. And one is so loved up on the other that he is leaning on his chest. Okay? Just get that in your head. Picture that. And Jesus answered, and he only answered John. Nobody else knew who was going to betray him, right? Jesus answered John. John said, John was leaning on his chest, whispered to Jesus, who is it that's going to betray you? And Jesus said, it is the one who I give this piece of bread to, for I have dipped in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And soon Judas took the bread, and Satan entered him. And Jesus told him, what are you about to do? Do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said that to him. So he didn't say, this is the guy who's going to betray me. He just told Judas, you go do what you're supposed to do. And since Judas was in charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling to go buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor or something that Jesus had taken bread and he went out and it was night. And when he was gone, to, so we got a picture, John is laying against his breast. He is lubbed up against him, okay? <clears throat> and when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you for only a little longer. You will look for me just as I've told the Jews. So I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. And the next thing he says is that commandment we've been talking about, right? And a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay? Take that part out. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And then Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow me later. And Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you? For I will lay down, I will lay down my life for you. Now understand the difference. 
one disciple is leaning against, embracing the love of God in the flesh. The other disciple is telling him that I will protect you. Now understand the difference. One had his faith in God's love. And he understood that God loved him. The other had his faith in his love for God. See the difference? Because when you compare the two, you go, well, I love God. No, you really don't. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Is that the commandment? A new commandment I give to you. As I have loved you, you must love one another. With all that whole seek ye first, the kingdom of God. Do we love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our being? Heck no. Because we have the love of self that gets in the way. But if you look at the contrast to where John is laying against the breast of Christ, understanding that God loved him the most. Why? Because God loved the world the most. John took the equation and understood that if it was just me, he would still come die for my sins. Peter had the same understanding to some extent, but he said, Lord, you can't go anywhere that I won't go. You can't do anything that I won't do. Now, one is humble and meek, and one is very prideful. Which one are we? Because let me tell you something. When we focus on our things that we are doing for God, and not focusing on what God does for us, that is prideful. It is not of God. I wrote this note down while I was working on this. Hold on. I ain't even opened my book yet, man. What are y'all doing? Got serious quick. Tell me what's greater, his love for me or my love for him? I mean, if you answer that wrong, you need to come up. We need to pray for you later. But we cannot compare in our measly little Riley loves us the wormy little nothing of a human our love for the creator of the universe so let's keep going <clears throat> because I, I want to ask you now I, 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 I mean y'all know what happens next right y'all know what happens next we, we go get the next in a second but would you think that if he'd have kept his mouth shut what happened next would have happened next If he would have not been so prideful to say, God, you don't understand. I'm better than that, and I will do whatever it takes. You don't understand who I am. If he wouldn't have said that, well, what would have happened next really happened next? So I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Barely, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. If he'd have kept his mouth shut, I am satisfied that if he would have not been prideful and said, look at me, God, I have so much love that you don't understand that I'm willing to go through whatever it takes because of me, 
he would have never endured what was getting ready to happen. If he'd have been, the other ten didn't say nothing. They didn't say squat. They murmured amongst themselves. Not a single one pledged their love to him or his love for them. All right, let's see where it goes. So he says, I tell you the truth, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And we don't hear the other end of that conversation. I'm sure it hurt his feelings. I can't imagine it didn't hurt his feelings. So, so if you, you know, you understand how this works, we'll fast forward a little while. It's not really that long a time. Chronologically, um, in, the, in the Bible, it's a lot of stuff that he said between here and there, right? There's a lot of things that happen between here and there. I mean, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was betrayed. He starts to go to trial. All that stuff happens. But we're going to skip Gospel according to John, chapter 18. So, so, so they, they have already, he said, you don't understand. I'll lay down my life for you. I'll do whatever, right? They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas shows up, kisses him on the cheek, betrays him. Peter gets his sword out. Going to prove his love for Christ, cuts the dude's ear off. That just happened. This is not some, this is not weeks apart. This is, this is minutes and hours apart. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing, warming himself by the fire, and so they asked him, You, aren't you one of the disciples too? And he denied it, saying, I am not. And one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man who's Peter ear, who he just cut off, you know, that guy, his people challenged him and said, Didn't I see you in the garden? Didn't I see you with them in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. So can you imagine if you stood in a place that said, Lord, you don't understand. My love for you is so great. I'm such a good Christian. I'm such a good servant. That I'm so studied. That I'm so well behaved. That I'm so talented. That I'm so whatever. I, 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 I. You can count on me. And then he gives them the opportunity to. Because what happens if Peter doesn't deny him? Anybody know? He going, he probably going to get crucified too, right? I mean, be four instead of three. I mean, if he don't deny him, he's right there. He's amongst them. They already unhappy. He's going to jail at least minimum. He's he gonna get jailed and beat. I mean, at the bottom line. Self-preservation, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Nope. It wasn't me. I can't imagine how you would feel standing. I, you know, it was kind of like an alarm clock. Have you ever had like the craziest dream ever? And you're like in the middle of the dream and then all of a sudden the alarm clock goes off and you're like, did that just happen? Was that just real? Was that real? That wasn't real, was it? You know, we weren't fighting dragons a minute ago. Where were we? That was, all, that was all fake, right? That was all in my head. But here's Peter. They haven't slept, right? They only slept a few minutes in the garden. Since then, Jesus has been arrested. He cut dude's ear off. They're trying to get warm by the fire. He's standing there going, oh, no, that wasn't me. And the alarm clock went off. Oh, crap. I just did that. I just denied him three times. Can you imagine what his stomach felt like? I, mean, I, can't, I can't hardly talk about it. I can't imagine what he felt like. 
Now here again, a few minutes ago, I asked you, who was the best disciple? Who was the one? Who was the one that come to defend him? Who was the one that said, Lord, I'll go wherever you go? Mr. Me. All right? So let me ask you a question. If and, if and you was in a situation and you got to here, who would you rather have now? Who would you rather have with you now? Like I said, we excluded the other ten. We just talked about the two. I'll show you. <clears throat> oh, trying to be smooth, turn it with one hand. It wouldn't turn. Got my other hand in my pocket. Gospel according to John, still. Chapter 19. Verse 25, and near the cross of Jesus stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple, I'm sorry, who? The disciple who Jesus loved. Where was the rest of them? Where was Peter? They were all hiding. See, John understood that God loved him so much, he didn't care. He was going to be there, not because of his love for God, because he didn't proclaim that I love you more than the rest of them. He didn't proclaim, he didn't argue on the road who's going to sit on your right hand when you go to glory. His only claim to, not his only claim to flame, but his only statement about himself is that right there. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one that was there. He was at the foot of the cross. He was not hiding in a cave. He was not locked in a room somewhere. He understood that God's love for him outweighed all of whatever was getting ready to take place. See, that's what happens. When you focus on your abilities, you get to a point to where you go, ooh, I don't know if I got what it takes. I don't know if I can get past here. I don't know if I'm smart enough to do this. I, I don't know if I'm well prepared enough to do this. What happens if this happens or what happens if that happens, right? That's when you focus on your ability. But John wasn't focused on his ability. John was focused on God's ability. And what did Jesus say? The disciple whom he loved standing nearby and he said to her, woman, here is your son and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Now who you pick? The person that's taking care of your mama? The person that's fighting with the sword? Here again, I'm not, I'm not bashing Peter, right? Peter, Peter, Jesus already told Peter, you're the rock that we're going to build the church on. Peter preaches in Acts and gets thousands of people saved. Peter is a phenomenal man of God. The difference is, is in the three years that he walked with Christ on the planet, he put his love for God more important than God's love for him. And John, walking in the same three years, in the same teaching, in the same understanding, in the same place, fed the same 5,000, healed the same sick, raised the same dead, he was there the whole entire time. John's focus was on how much God loved him. So what are we focused on? What we do for the kingdom or what God does for us? I mean, 
I'm telling you, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'd never seen it. I always admired Peter for pulling the sword. I'd always thought, that's me. I'll show him, boss. I'll cut the ear off. I'll cut his head off. Whatever you need. They ain't going to beat you. They ain't going to torture you. They ain't going to kill you. They ain't going to put you on a cross. Because of my ability. See that pride. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. You can't change nothing. Jesus said, how many of y'all from worrying can add one minute to your life? Or one inch to your statue or one hair to the top of your head. You can't change nothing. Except for how you see the world. The same guy stood in the same place. One saw it one way and one saw it the other way. One was humiliated and denied the Christ. The other one stood at the bottom of the cross and said, here's your mother and here's your son. One understood that God loved me so much that he's willing to do whatever it takes. The other one said, I love you so much, I will not let them ha this happen. So where is our focus? Where is our focus in praise and worship? I, like I said, this ain't getting over this week. So y'all going to have to think about this for a whole week. I, I, I've used like four scriptures out of 12. So we, this ain't going over soon. But I want you to start thinking about it in different parts of your aspects of what we do on a daily. But since we've been here, where is your focus in praise and worship? Is it on how good you can sing? Or how much God loves you? It's why are you here? Why do we call it praise and worship? Is it for your benefit? No. It is our opportunity to praise God for all of the things that he has done for us. Not for God to praise us for all of the things that we have done. When we live our lives, right? When we go about our daily life, It's, uh, it's going to sound funny. You know what the title of this uh, first sermon was to start off with? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. See, think about the two disciples. It's not about you. Peter, it's not about you. You can't stop this. It's not about you. It's not about you. John knew it wasn't about him. He's loving on the, the Lamb of God. I mean... Think about it. Nuzzled into his breast, sitting there after dinner. The only disciple that knew who was going to betray him. The only disciple that knew, maybe not. I mean, the other guys might have understood this. The only one that wrote it in the Word and said, Jesus loves me the most. It's not about you, it's about him. It's always about him. If the ministry is not about him, it will not be successful. If the praise and worship is not about him, it is not accepted. It's not about you. We have jobs. We fail, fail. We do everything we're supposed to do. It's not about you. We didn't come here to worship you. We didn't come here to celebrate you. We didn't come here to talk about you. We didn't come here to talk about me either. This ain't about me. Maybe that would be a better title. It's not about me then y'all won't have to be feeling like I'm not talking just about you. When I say it's not about you, it's not about you. 
how big is God's love for us? How big is our love for God? It's not about you. Before Jesus had done a single thing, he said, this is my son, who am I well pleased. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus, at the time, was still in the image of God. And this is going to be deep for a second. Y'all going to have to listen to me for just a second. He was still in the image of God. Adam was in the image of God, right? Everybody agree? The Bible says that Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. And then he sinned. And the image of God was defamed, torn up, smudged, wrinkled, broken. Adam was not in the image of God anymore. Right? He went to his father, the devil. Right? Jesus was in the image of God. He was the first person to step on the planet since Adam that was in the image of God. It's not about you. It's about him. So what happens when we come, become born again? We become a new creature, a new creation, a new creature. Then what do we look like again? It's not about me. It's about him. I don't look like me anymore. When I stand in the presence of God and go boldly to the throne of God, God doesn't see me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Because he is my substitute. He is standing in my place. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about him. Jesus was standing in the image of God. This is my son, who I am well pleased. Once he died on the cross and raised again and paid my penalty and your penalty, he gave us the opportunity to become the image of God again. Holy, righteous, blameless, pure. It's not about me because I don't fit any of those things. Jesus does. He fulfills my requirement. I don't fulfill my requirement. Peter didn't fulfill his requirement either. Neither did John. But John had his focus on it. It was about Jesus and not about him. Part two next week. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. Father, we thank you and praise you that it is not on our merit, Father, but it is on your will and your love and your grace for us. And we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.